0: Hello and welcome to the Property Roundup here on iProperty Radio with myself, Carol Tallon. The show where we chat to industry experts to get a view on activity on the ground and to learn about new trends emerging. This show is sponsored by DAF.ie, Ireland's most visited property website. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Harry Southern, Director at REA Southern in Carlo. Harry, you're very welcome. Thank you for joining us today.
1: Thanks, Carol. Great to chat to you again.
0: Um Harry, you are probably one of the estate agents that I've known longest in this business. You're based in a uh, region that I, uh, while I'm at the other side of the country now, it's in a, a region that I would have known a long time ago, but I'm definitely out of touch with the Carlo market and what's happening. So you might just give us an overview as to what's happening. You know, the last time we talked about it, uh, it was in the context of, of Carlo really being a commuter county, but actually there's a lot of industry and and there's been some changes. So you might just update us actually on on uh, how things are performing in the Carlo market right now.
1: Sure, Carol. Well, look, I suppose if we go back historically, uh... We were certainly, as you say, a commuter town. Uh, we were heavily influenced by uh, the college. Um, that has now, as you, as you know, turned into the Southeast uh, Technological University. So we're very proud to have a university here. Uh, but I suppose, from a residential point of view, uh, the college grew a rental market uh, that wouldn't be seen in other towns that don't have a college. Um, the problem that that created, however, back when the crash happened in 08, 09, was that so many people had properties here and they had them, they bought them on, if you like, up the skull, the never and they were paying interest only. And then when the banks decided, well, we'd like to get a, some capital back here, uh, many of them pulled the plug. And as a result, the market was flooded. With property, the banks wanted them sold. They were prepared to sell them at any price. And that pretty much devastated our values. Um, we probably had the greatest percentage drop in value, I would say, possibly even in Leinster. So it's taken a long time to recover from that. But I'm glad to say we have recovered from that.
0: And um, from memory, there was a lot of Section fifty apartments. Um, but going back to maybe uh, just so we understand, I suppose some of the causes here, the landlords you're referring to would they have been not local landlords? Or did you have many kind of Carlo or even Leinster based landlords? Uh,
1: yeah, yeah, we did, and I mean, we 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 had speculators as well, and I. I personally was never fond of speculation it's uh you know i i remember selling a house to one particular gentleman who had never been in carlo and i resold it for him at a profit uh nine months later when house was built um and he still never visited carlo so we had an element of that um they were crazy times and we all knew it couldn't continue but i suppose we never knew it was just gonna hit as hard as it, as it actually did um Yeah. But it's still, it's a, it's still a good town for, you know, rentals here have absolutely gone through the roof. I was just looking at the, the, you know, the comparables and back in, in the 2006 and 2007 when property values were at the height they were. And incidentally in Carlo, they have only just in the residential section, they have only just, you know, hit those levels again. So here we are all those years later and we're still only hitting the same uh, levels it's, it's it's kind of extraordinary but i'm going to give you a mind-blowing st- statistic you know when we were selling three-bedroom semis for two hundred and seventy five thousand 000 in, back in 06 and 07 the max rent you could get was about a thousand euros per month now the same semi is making the same price but the rents are hitting €1,500 euros a month. So you have a 50% increase in 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 rental cost, which is outrageous.
0: Um, Harry, is Carlos seeing the same level of uh, landlord exodus? And I know you've described kind of the exodus that happened around the crash. But we know consistently since about 2016-17, landlords have been leaving the market due to onerous uh, not just taxation, but burdens and a very unbalanced RTB. Um, so the the balance of fairness, it's very difficult to be a landlord. Um, you know there are very few people choosing that now. Uh, we know that we know the nationwide stats, and we talk about it regularly on the show here. But um, for Carlo, are you seeing the same exodus of landlords, or are you seeing any new landlords coming into the market?
1: Both, Carol. I, again, I would say we were at the extreme. Uh. Two years ago, probably one in every two sales that I was getting in the door was a landlord leaving. It was a staggering statistic. At the present, at present time, it's about one in three. Um, but on the on the on the good side, there are our landlords coming back in as well. But but here's the problem: they're not buying uh ex-rental properties because obviously um we have a rent cap here, which was Probably the most disastrous thing that the government ever brought in. And this has created this artificial situation that we now find ourselves in. So the new landlords are in fact looking for the three-bedroom semis or the apartments that haven't been let. So uh, because otherwise they're caught with uh, you know, a, a lot of good, there's not a lot of good landlords. And by the way, I'm not anti-tenant in any way. But I I am very much pro-landlord because they've they've done the the country quite a degree of service, despite what some sections of the media would would suggest. And a lot of them were accidental landlords. But they were caught in a situation where, you know, a lot of them said, Well, we know the tenant and they're very good and they keep the place well. So we're just going to leave their rent at 750 euros per month. And then bang, they were caught with the rent cap. And now they can't push it up, except by a couple of percent per annum. Then if they want to go and sell, uh, if they come in to me, I have to give them the best advice because my duty is to get the best price I can. So my advice has to be: I'm sorry, you've got to give your tenant notice because I cannot sell the property for the money you would hope to get with a low, a very low rent. And they're they're caught in in this awful situation. For instance, a first time buyer will not buy, cannot buy a property that has a tenant in situ. They won't get the mortgage if, they, if they're honest. They won't get the mortgage, so they're ruled out uh, of it. The investor is coming in and saying, "Well, I'm going to have to see this thing out. I'm, I might have to, you know, give the tenant notice, put my son or daughter in the property for a couple of years to try and wash out uh, the rent cap, or I'm going to, to spend an awful lot of money on it." Um, so. he he or she will turn around and say, well, I'm not going to give you the price that you expect to get for that property. So the landlord is is losing out on the double. If he sells with the tenant in situ, he's going to lose 15 to
0: 20%. And, you know, really what I'm hearing you say there, Harry, is that it's really how you see the law of unintended consequences when maybe poor policy or, or not fully thought out policy is implemented, not understanding how it impacts the entire kind of market chain. Um, just to go back to that interesting dynamic you described there about the new investors coming in, because obviously if they're not going for property decision tenants or they're go- not going for existing rentals, then they're essentially competing directly with first-time buyers and home buyers as well in the marketplace. Is that the reality?
1: Absolutely. And, and I, you know, I, I do feel so sorry for the first-time buyers. Hmm. Uh, here in Carlow, they have very little option in in, in terms of new property. Um, our the average new house sale price is about three hundred and twenty to three hundred and thirty thousand. So unless the builder got the land at a very low rate, it's not economic to build. And obviously, you have people who have zoned land who are not willing to release it or to sell it unless they get a decent price. They would expect to get probably uh, 30,000 per site, if you like, um, which would transfer to about 400,000 per acre for development land. Unless they get that, they're not willing to release it. So you have this Mexican standoff to some extent where we we don't have the uh, variety of new housing that we would normally have uh, in a town of this size.
0: Um, I definitely want to come back to talk to you about new housing, but you you touched on earlier in the interview that... um, Carlo IT and I suppose I remember it I'm sure my age here I remember from the RTC days uh, and and then when it turned into Carlo IT and now it's part of the Southeast Technical University and in fact by coincidence just this morning we were on to one of the institutes within SETU because even though we're uh, developing a technology in Galway because it's Immersive Technologies actually SETU is the hub, the Walton Institute down there, it's the hub and the centre of expertise for uh, mixed reality like augmented reality um, and virtual reality in Ireland. So it's so exciting to see some of the the development that's happening there, particularly um across say some of the engineering disciplines and for the built environment, like it's it's really rivaling um the old DIT or uh TU Dublin now. What is that? How is that translating on the ground? Because we have students doing more remote remote courses, um because of the shortage of accommodation, we know students are travelling and commuting more. How is how, Can we just maybe take a moment to talk about student? Demand uh, for rental in how how is that changing? You know, years ago you might have had where you cheaper properties, you might have had parents buying properties knowing their their children could live in it for three or four years and then being confident they could sell it afterwards. Does that happen anymore, or or how are students managing there?
1: Historically, I always sold three or four houses in the summer to parents of students who were doing exactly as he said. It's still happening, um but not to the same extent. And as you say, students are making their way here by uh, transport, by buses, by parents or their own cars and so on. so um whilst the university is now expanded, and I think there's the guts of five thousand going to it, I don't think there's any greater demand than there was when you were here,, uh, you know, uh, for accommodation, which is uh, running. But then again, the accommodation isn't here. so, it could be a chicken and egg scenario. I, I would suspect if the accommodation was here, if it was viable to build it, it would have happened. And the viability is the main is the main issue.
0: Yeah, and and look, and and like we're going to move on to talk about viability now in a moment. I suppose just before we leave the issue of rentals, irrespective of students or otherwise, you know, you touched on the very real impacts of rent cap and rent caps, and only in the last week we had the IMF come out. And say to the Irish government that rent caps are not the way to increase supply. And actually, to drive down the prices, we need to increase supply. Um, so it, it it sounds like they're different issues, but they're not, they're absolutely connected. Rent caps is slowing down the delivery of the new, not just student accommodation, but accommodation in general that could be bought by uh homeowners, by potential landlords, um, that would actually bring more supply into the marketplace, and that's not happening now. And the government doesn't appear to be open to a change on this, probably because it would be politically unsavory. Um, as opposed to maybe under you know reflecting the economic realities on the ground. So actually, let's talk for a moment about the viability. Um, just to position a good store a good news story for Carlo first. Actually, I was only in Carlo very recently in the last couple of. Uh, weeks myself and I was down and delighted to see Braun that Braun factory now uh, Glen Bay uh, or Newa, uh Manufacturing have now gone in there. And that's really exciting because we know offsite and other modern methods of construction are absolutely the way to scale up the delivery that we need. And it's so exciting to see a facility in the heart of Carlow town. So wh- what has been the reaction to the town for that?
1: Well, it's great. I'm glad you brought it up, Carol, because I was the joint agent in the sale of brawn to Glen Bay. So congratulations
0: uh, uh, to the the Um, REA uh, Southern team. That's a huge, that's a huge feather at the cap.
1: It was my biggest sale ever. Fantastic. um, But... You know, we're we're a remarkable little place, really, Carlo, in, in, from an engineering perspective. I mean, if you look at and it's not just Carlo, if you go down to Bagnellstown, for instance, it's fascinating the number of engineering groups that are there. Uh, you know, we have if you look at it here at St Hall in Carlo, uh, you know, an extraordinary place that I, 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 was, I, was, I had the pleasure of visiting. And I mean, they're producing data centers, you know. Uh, incredible. You, you see these things, and I mean, you know, they're going out at half a million to three courses a million each, you know. Uh, and we have the expertise here grown locally, possibly educated in the college, and and they and out they go. We obviously have we've burnside engineering as well. I have to know the figures here. There's certainly, I don't know whether it's a thousand or fifteen hundred people employed. And all sorts of small engineering uh, businesses, MCM, down in time So, like, it is, um, it's a great place. It's a great hub of engineering industry, if you like, uh, in, in the immediate Carlo area.
0: I'm so glad you brought that up, because actually only in the last couple of weeks, um, I interviewed a really interesting electrician turned electrical product innovator Um who is living uh, down around Michael, um, but actually from, you know, educated. Uh, actually, I don't know where where he went, where uh, his so his um apprenticeship was linked with, but um, he actually was in School Congress in Baltimore. Glass now living in Michael, uh, Tony Kelly of ProTray. And through exposure uh, coming up as an electrical appre- apprentice and working as an electrician through his exposure to working on those data center projects internationally, he was able to uh, identify spot a gap in the market for an electrical tool and he engineered that has prototyped it has developed it patented it and is now starting to to market it globally all from uh county Carlo base so you're absolutely right the talent and the expertise but it's the exposure to new markets emerging sectors like the data centers that are just so important and I love coming from a, a rural area i love seeing the regional opportunities that everything isn't dublin centric or cork centric i think it's massively important and and the the university expanding there is only going to amplify that in the future so that's a really exciting one and um, but in terms of then you know carlo potentially becoming a hub for uh, because through glenvay and and newer manufacturing um you know there is the potential for a ser like a small um businesses innovators engineering firms to grow up supporting those the offsite and other m m c um and that and Carlo could really become quite a hub for this uh, so in order to do that, staff need to be able to live somewhere so actually this comes back to we need new supply in the Carlo market. is there any line of sight as to where that's likely to come from?
1: Well, there are a number of developments ongoing in Carlo. A number of new developments ongoing, but not enough. I suggest to fulfil the demand that is out there. Um, there, there's four at the moment, um, and as you know, Carol, the housing agencies and effectively the state have also mapped up quite a number of new bills, and and then this this is also a thing where we effectively the state uh, competing against our young first time buyers, which is. You know i i i find it difficult to swallow a little but that's the fact of it um yeah yeah and you know there are there, there's land there there's there is certainly zone land in carlo but you know and it's a constant you know chat i would have with builders and developers who who ring us and when i go through the prices that are available um they just suddenly turn around and say look it's just not viable for us. We can't, we can't make a bob out of this, you know. And I've, I've listened to your uh, previous shows and a member of a gentleman from Limerick and, and and he was saying, you know, they were getting three ninety five dollars for a three-bedroom semi. Um, I mean, the max here is about three thirty. dollars So uh, given that our build cost is likely to be pretty much exactly the same, our, our costs, the service costs and so on are going to be the same. So the only variable that can be is a site cost. And you know, uh, when, as I alluded to a, a while ago, um, the landowners are, are not going to sell unless they get a, a pretty decent price for their land. So you know, there's a there's a little bit of a stalemate uh, uh, going on here.
0: Um, Harry, in terms of one of the controversies, and we've we've again co- covered it um, in recent shows uh, around the zoned um land tax and maybe some properties appearing unfairly on on that map uh, subject to taxation next year have you any have you spoken to any builders impacted by that in Carl or other counties
1: well the, the greatest impact for builders other than viability has tended to be the uh, the servicing by Irish water i surely is probably the greatest okay. problem uh, that that i hear and you know the, the the speed, the process is so unbelievably slow, and and it's extremely frustrating because these were people that liked to make decisions, get on. They have their building crew together, and they want to they want continuity. And suddenly there is massive delays, and that's probably the biggest thing. I I would think, and I I know. Um, you know, going on to the taxation of unused assets, uh, some of this can be very unfair. I mean, I I've, um, I know properties in Carla, for instance, and as you know, uh, the council are now going to put um, rates and, uh, at, a, at a reasonably high level on unlet or sole property, uh, vacant property, in other words. But sometimes there could be other reasons behind it. And uh, I, I think it can be very unfair to penalise, um, you know, elderly people, People perhaps who might be living overhead or whatever yeah. uh, to say, you, you, you've got to do something with this, otherwise you're going to pay tax that they can't afford. Yeah. So just taxing landowners for zoned land um, that is not viable to build on doesn't seem to make any sense to me at all.
0: Yeah, that that's a consistent messaging that we've got in here through the show. And in fact, to be fair, I think in the last about two weeks, there appears to have been a bit of a rollback uh, from the housing department from this use it or lose it um, mentality, actually, as well, that there seems to be an understanding that it's more nuanced um than just, uh, you know, I, I think Michael O'Flynn, the developer in Cork, has really tried to talk about the difference between land hoarding and land banking. And one is what secures your pipeline uh, for future development. But I think maybe th- there has been a lack of nuance in government in understanding this. And again, this comes down, back to a bit of political pressure. But, Harry, um, I'm very conscious of your time today, and I know that we don't have much longer, but there is, I I, I suppose, because we're talking about land and because we're talking about the, the supply of new homes. And I think we've seen uh, measures to get more creative um in in not just other uh, towns and cities in Ireland, but also in other countries, um, and we know commercial property coming increasingly under pressure. you know, are you seeing any moves in Carlo maybe that you know well, first of all, how is the commercial market in Carlo faring?
1: Well, Carol, unfortunately, that was also hit really badly in the recession, and then you come out of the recession. And you have a combination of uh, COVID and online shopping. So it's yeah. been dealt so many different families. And the commercial market, probably, you know, it's at a third of its value still, which is a staggering statistic. You know, I, I look at shops and Tullow Street that would have been worth 800000 being sold for 250000 Um, You know, it's quite staggering. But we have one interesting, one very interesting development in Carlo. I don't know what's happening elsewhere, but... Um, some of the empty shop units that are there that I've sold and other agents have sold have been uh, bought by developers. And what they're doing is if this shop unit, says is 1,800 square feet, they're taking the back section of the shop, converting it into an apartment and converting the, the first and the second floors into apartments, which is all good because it's now mm-hmm. putting um, more supply out there. And letting on to smaller operators like um, hairdressers, and you know, actually, it's tending to go towards the the personal things that you can't get. You know, you can't have your hair done online, yeah. you can't yeah. get your nails done online. And that's not female centric either. There's the barbers are here too. So, yeah. but, but that's an interesting development, and that is starting to mop up some of the you know, vacant properties that are lying around And I mean, we have hundreds of thousands of square feet on our, you know, first and second floors. That's vacant, hundreds of thousands. And it's kind of frustrated me that we seem, and government seems to be very conscious, and I'm sure it's a political decision, um, that anything to do with incentive seems to be knocked on the head because landlords are perceived to be those horrible people who, um, you know, just are are greedy and so on. And and my experience with landlords is certainly not the case. But what about incentivizing properly people to convert their first and their second floors? What what about saying, look, if you do that, we won't charge your tax on your rental income for five years. But, you know, there there are better ways of doing this. And keep it simple. Don't have 40 forms to fill out. Uh, Keep the thing very simple. And all of a sudden you will increase supply. Um, um,
0: I Genuinely, I actually think that's a super idea. But you've actually hit the nail on the head there that actually um, there, these schemes are being considered like uh, living over the shops, the living cities, the um, initiative, the town centre first policy. And the real gap in thinking is that um, the state is afraid to incentivize the people who could actually do this who are the potential home builders um, like small home builders or investors. And in fact, if they were to do it, but I look, I, I'm ever the optimist. And we saw with the vacant homes and um the the grants to to bring derelict properties back to life that actually they were extended to Investors, uh, or that you so actually we know that this can be done in some instances, but actually, I think you make a really compelling case that actually those incentives to be able to. Could you imagine? Students, particularly, would love to be living over the shops on Tullow Street and Dublin Street, uh, at close access to the college and to. Social life and to where all of the hub of activities and and town life happens. Um, but you, you're right; those incentives are needed. It's really interesting to hear the dynamic though of the retail because I haven't come across that. We've come across, uh, the approved housing bodies maybe in Dublin and Cork taking over, uh, large, very large, um, um, uh, office buildings, but they were doing an almost entire refit out of those. Um it's interesting to hear that happening at a smaller scale in regional towns. And to my mind, Carla was not the only regional town to have um thousands of square feet empty that could could potentially suit this model. Is it have you seen many projects actually get to completion point there?
1: Absolutely. Well, funnily <laughs> In my own office here, uh, we, um, or my brother, I should say, uh, developed the top floor into an apartment. And uh, we it was advertised and we had 200 respondents. So it just shows the demand that's out there. Uh, it's extraordinary. And obviously, we've also had, you know, our we've had our refugees, Ukrainian refugees in, in principle, and they have been, you know, very well catered for in Carlo and they've taken up. Quite an amount of space as well, uh, and some people have come up with very innovative, innovative ideas and, and to to uh, to solve that. So, uh, but all of that is positive. So you get more people into a town, more spend, everybody wins. You know, it's it's a very simple equation.
0: do um, you, you know, uh, honestly, Harry, I think that's a great note to close on because I think that should be the motto for the town centres, uh, town centre first policy. You know, get more people in living contributing to the local economy consuming within the local economy, um even the football walking through the town, all of these things improve it um but it just it there's a bit of a lack of joined up thinking across our policy um our policy initiatives, but I am again hopeful that we saw with the living cities when the take up was low, it changed similarly with the vacant properties we saw changes made, so I am hopeful that um when the case is made to policymakers that actually we can change these. So I think this is a, you know, it's a really interesting conversation to start. And I'd love to, you know, maybe come back and, and get into some of those in greater detail with you at a later time. But um, I suppose for now I, I'm conscious of time and I know we have to close off today, but I, I can't close about maybe finding out your expectations for 2024, because there's still an op- a lot of opportunity from what I'm hearing in Carlo.
1: Well, Yes, there is. And, you know, all of us can be, if you're looking at TikTok and you're listening to the media and you're listening to everything and anything, you have a choice to make. You can decide that, look, you can try and get on with your life and do something about it, or you can worry about, you know, the, the United States policy on something or other and, and, and uh, you know, get altogether worried about that. Like, you know, for me it's about it's day to day, it's it's looking at what's immediately ahead of ahead of you and what can you do for yourself. Um but it is it's interesting that so many people do look, and we're a little bit like sheep, they do look at what's going on abroad and they get worried about this war and that one. I mean, I'm not dismissing wars, they're it's, it's horrendous for, for people that are involved and so on. But I think in the main we we all need to be just looking at what What's immediately in front of us, and the reality for most people, you know, young couples, they want to, you know, settle down, perhaps have have kids, whatever, have a job, and they, they're still there. Uh, this town is very well placed. It's it's just off the motorway. It's as they say in Navan, it's an hour from Dublin, or even less actually. Um, so there's a lot of positive stuff going on in Carlow. There there are real jobs here too, not just virtual jobs. There's actually real jobs, as you said, and Glen Vay and you know we've merch sharp and Dome. So we have we have good jobs that um physical jobs, if you like, here as well. And 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 that I think will stand us in good stead. Because if you were totally reliant on, you know, just cyberspace type jobs, they're they're very volatile. Uh so I think we've we have a good base, a good job space in Carlo. Uh and that's good. We do need more accommodation here to uh, provide for the people who are, who are, who are working in those jobs. Um, so that's, again, um, you know, a chicken and egg situation. But look, at it. I would be positive for Carlo. Um, the, I, I can see the town changing. It's gone through, um, you know, it's been ravaged a wee bit by what we've discussed earlier. But I can see it turning and, and, that's, and that is really good to see. Um, uh, and, but it's going to be a changing landscape and perhaps we will be Uh, You know, a town that will be looked upon as uh, not quite a trailblazer, but just to show what can happen, that you've got to rethink how you look at retail in particular. And, uh, and and it's very important to get all of our empty buildings full with some, with whatever in them. It's very important. Uh, You
0: know, have the lights on you know that's a really positive note to end on thank you so much harry and uh, you know i would definitely echo that the spirit of innovation is alive and well in carlo and i would just take this opportunity to let our listeners know that um uh glenway that new facility that opened in carlo under the new uh manufacturing brand at the national construction summit in Blanchettstown in April 2024. I'll have the opportunity. We'll be sitting down with Tony McLaughlin of Glen Bay and New Manufacturing to actually talk about uh, the new facility and the plans um board the board Lenbe and new in manufacturing. So it's definitely something that we're going to get into in much greater detail at a later day. But um that's all we have time for today. That was Harry Southern, director at REA Southern in Carlo. My thanks to producer Katie Talon and to the production team at Hear Me Roar Media. And of course huge thanks to our show sponsor Daft.ie, Ireland's most visited property website. In the meantime, thank you for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next episode of Property Roundup. And please be sure to check out all of the other Irish and international real estate State and construction shows on iProperty Radio.